Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Rex, for that anointed word. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're very excited um, about what God is doing. Uh, you know, if you, I, I hope you watched that beautiful video that we, that we prepared from believers all around this country, uh, men and women, boys and girls, uh, from all around this nation, you know, just expressing, you know, the beauty and the diversity of the body of Christ and the desire of so many believers uh, to come back to church. And, um, you know, we're sending a letter on Monday, and I'd appreciate if you can keep it in prayer. Uh, in conjunction with this video, we're sending a letter to government asking them to reopen the churches because all over Europe, churches are open. And yet in Ireland, they are closed. And so uh, we just want to really give expression to the desire that we have as believers to go back to church. And so uh, at the moment, I think we have in the region of 200 churches and ministries that have signed this letter, which I believe would be in, unprecedented in this nation so far. And I give God the glory for that. But we're believing for more. You know, I think it would be lovely for us to have 300 churches that would have signed that. So if you have a pastor um, that you can contact and ask him the, uh, the details, the sign up link is on our, what, on our Facebook page. Um, or if you want to email pastor at allnations.ie and uh, we can uh, have the church or the pastor signed up or the ministry. Uh, like I said, you know, there's churches all around this nation, I believe, that want uh, to give expression to their desire to return to church. And this is a good way by signing, by becoming signatories on this letter. I believe it will carry a great deal of weight because ultimately it will represent tens of thousands of believers. And... Um, Tens of thousands of constituents uh, that politicians need to take note of. Amen. So let's just continue to pray and continue to press. And like I said, if there's a pastor or minister that you can contact today, please do so and encourage them to sign. So let's pray today. Father, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you that your word is eternal. It is living. It is truth. It is holy. It is sacred. And we approach it. With humility, Lord, we approach it with an open heart, and we say, Lord God, speak to us today through your word, in Jesus' name. Uh, so today, the title of the message is, Back to the Spirit. And over the last seven weeks, we've taken a journey where we have gone back to the basics, back to the Bible, back to the blood, back to the cross, back to the name, back to the Father, back to the Son, and this week, back to the Spirit as we conclude this series. And so, just to clarify before we go any further, the Holy Spirit is not an it. Uh, I always think it's, it's funny when people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. One thing you can tell is they don't know the Holy Spirit is he's not an it, he's not a cloud, and he's certainly not some kind of a Red Bull type high that simply makes you feel better. Amen? Because uh, he is a person. Okay, uh, and, and it's important to acknowledge he is the creator spirit that was present before the creation of the universe. And it is true, his awesome power that everything was made uh, in Jesus Christ by God our Father. And because while he is one and unique in both his nat nature and substance, yet he is a trinity, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I appreciate this is a mystery that our mind at times grapples with and struggles to, uh, to grasp. And yet the Spirit, the, the Spirit of God is the third person of of the Trinity, whether we actually understand it or not. Now Luke chapter 3 gives us a picture here of the Trinity in operation in verse uh, 22 of Luke chapter 3, and it says, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And right there we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is God. He is neither the Father nor is he the Son. It's important to make that distinction. The Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. Okay. So he is a distinctive, uh, he is a distinct person uh, from both the Father and the Son uh, because, uh, 
you know, he is the spirit, and yet he is uh, part of the Trinity. Uh, they are still one. And, and like I said, he's co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent, co-substantial, both fully and equally deserving of our glory, obedience, and worship. John 14, 26 in the NIV, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you, the new living. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you, the ESV. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So again, he's referred to as the advocate whom the Father would send in the name. And again, here we have the Trinity because it says the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he's referred to as the advocate. Uh, he is representative. Uh, uh, he is um, acknowledged as, as his representative. Uh, he's referred to as the helper. And, and so Christ promised us that the Father would send the Holy Spirit to us. And clearly, we will not fulfill our destiny I run our race without his help. I truly believe that this series that we've been doing on back to has been born of God because the truth is this, we have much work to do because clearly this past year has exposed the fact that we are far from the glorious church that will greet Christ at his return. So again, there's no use saying, Lord, rapture us. We're not ready. We're not rapture ready. We need to get ready for his return. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelations, the bride has made herself ready. Amen. And so uh, like I said, this last year has exposed the, the, the fact that, that really we are not ready for Christ's return. And I speak both in terms of leaders and members, okay? Because the pressure of this past season has exposed many fractures, uh, divisions, weaknesses, and vulnerabilities in the body of Christ. I mean, Christians can't even agree on whether or not the church should be open. Okay, and in the face of increasing government uh, restrictions, many of them quite repressive, many church leaders have been fearful to speak up. Um, in many instances, more out of a fear of appearing uncaring, unloving, are being criticized by their church members rather than out of concern for the work and the glory of God. And again, we hold these two things in tension. While we want to obey the authorities, we also have to be obedient to God, just as the apostles in Acts chapter 4 and verse 5 said, it's, uh, we have to obey God rather than man. They didn't mean that we are deliberately out to disobey man, but it just simply says that as uh, it's important that governments don't put themselves in a position where we have to make a choice about whether we obey the government or whether we obey God. Amen? So anyway, uh, like I said, you know, many, many church members went to ground long before we went into lockdown fearful of a virus. And I absolutely understand in cases of those who are elderly or have underlying issues or pre-existing conditions that make them vulnerable to disease. But in other, you know, in other instances, people disappeared simply because going to church wasn't all that important to begin with. So it didn't take too much pressure for them to check out. You know, I recently spoke to a pastor in the UK and I said, you know, it's great that the government haven't closed down the churches there. And he, he responded and he said, but you know what, many people have stopped coming. And so, in truth, it seems like the Great Commission really wasn't as important to us as we let on. And what shocked many leaders is that some of their most stalwart members disappeared long before lockdown. Uh, you know, people that we had taught faith to for years. Because let me say this, preaching and practicing faith are two very different things. We must live this. Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. So what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? Well, I believe we need to go back to the beginning. Amen. Acts chapter 1 
You know, there's a lot of talk about a reset. Well, you know, if we want to reset, this is Acts chapter 1 and 2. This is where the church was uh, birthed, so to speak. I appreciate it was birthed when the spear went through Christ's side and blood and water came out. But in real terms, this is where we see the blueprints for the church. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly be baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which my Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see, Christ said, Before you can be witnesses, you need to have power. So Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. That word in the Greek is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Amen? So again, I believe there is, there is a power that God is going to unleash through his church in these end days. We're going to have a boldness like we've never had before. We're going to have a courage and a fortitude and determination. Amen. We're going to see miracles and signs and wonders like we have never seen before because God has saved the best wine to last. And he said, you shall have power that will be more than sufficient for the needs of the hour. Amen. So again, we need to go back to the spirit who started this thing. Because whether you realize it or not, the early church operated in an environment that was far more dangerous and challenging than the one that we're being told we're in. Just to clarify, the early church faced violent mobs, hostile governments, a society where idolatry was not only normalized, but actively encouraged as being both virtuous and patriotic. They faced imprisonment, mockery, torture, death in gladiator arenas and crucifixion to name a few of the dangers aside from the fact that they were called to go to violent pagan nations where the name of Christ was not known nor respected. So while the virus is real, things certainly aren't as hard as we might have imagined, nor is the danger that we face anything in comparison like what the early church had to face. And in case you forgot, going into hibernation is not, nor ever will be, an option for the church of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible I read says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We do not have the right to close down church and put it aside and say, Lord, we'll reopen when the government says so. No, we have a great commission that tells us to take this message to every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Can somebody say amen today. Amen. We are called to go with this message. And this is what government need to understand, that while we want to do our best to be good citizens, pay our taxes, show respect, honor those in authority, don't you dare get yourself between the church and the God whom we worship. That is not your place. That is not your right. And if we have to make a decision between government and God, we will always choose God. We are called to take this message. He gave us the great commission. And this is what we must understand. No matter what government edicts are passed, we must understand that hell is still hungry. And countless multitudes of eternal souls pass through those gates every day, never to return. Hell literally consumes eternal souls. People die and pass into eternity every day. This is why the church must do its job. This is why we do not have the comfort or the convenience of closing down uh, you know, for an indeterminate period. We have to take this gospel to the world. Jesus said, go. We need Pentecostal power to do that. You shall receive power because talk is cheap. We must not just preach the gospel. 
We must demonstrate it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5. And it says, First Corinthians 2, 4 and 5, sorry. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So Paul didn't just say, I didn't just give flowery speeches. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Our faith must not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. First Kings chapter 18 gives us a very vivid illustration of this when Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. And verse 37, Elijah prayed, said, if God, if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. The people were silent. They no longer knew. Very much indicative of our generation that has lost its moral compass and no longer knows what is truth. Our generation is a bit like Pilate crying out, you know, what is truth? We need to demonstrate what is truth to them because we serve the God who answers by far. And so verse 37 says, Elijah prayed and he said, hear me, O Lord God, hear me that the people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their heart back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. There's no use condemning the people for not coming to Christ if we have not ably demonstrated the power of the gospel. Amen? You see, this is important because Charles Spurgeon said, it was the fire that convinced them then. Or sorry, this is my quote, sorry. <laughs> I want to be puffing myself up there. I'm not in that league, but I, I, it was the fire. <laughs> it was the fire that convinced them then. And it will be the fire that will convince them now. So let me read Charles Spurgeon. He said this, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. And this was back in a time when ships used sails. And a sailboat without wind is useless. It's just floating. And so this in some way describes where much of the church is at. Christ said in Luke 4.23, physician, heal yourself. If we can't make it work in our own lives, you know what? We, there's no use us trying to preach to others. We must live it. We must make it work. Amen? Because if it's not working for us, it's because we are in the flesh and not truly surrendered to the Spirit. Now some of us from a spiritual background can tend to think the Holy Spirit only became active on the day of Pentecost after Christ arose from death. But that is not, uh, that's simply not true. Because we see in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it talks about how the Spirit of God was active in the very beginning. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was moving in this situation. Amen? The Spirit of God has been active since the very beginning, and if we are yielded to Him, we will be active too. It's like the woman who went to the American evangelist D.L. Moody and said, uh, I don't like the way you evangelize. And he said, well, you know, um, I'm not sure I'm always uh, I like it myself. I'm always open to other ideas. So I said, what way do you do it? She says, I don't. And he said, well, I like the way I do it more than the way you don't. Amen? And that pretty much describes some believers. They just sit on the fence all their lives, critiquing everything that's happening, but doing nothing to make uh, the, the, the work of God move forward. So again, the Spirit of God was active and is active, and so too, if you're surrendered to Him, you will be active too. John 1 and verse 15, and it says, John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 talks about how Jesus was consumed, conceived in the womb of a, a virgin called Mary. Uh, Luke 1 and verse 35, and it says, And the angels answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. 
Therefore also that Holy One who is the born of you, born of you will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit was absolutely integral in terms of the conception of Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary's womb. And Luke 3.16 said that Jesus would baptize not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 here Christ promises that the Spirit of God, um, you know, would, would, uh, would uh, um, that God would give the Holy Spirit to those who would simply ask Him with childlike faith. Uh, Luke 11 and verse 13, uh, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Amen? So you have as much of the Holy Spirit in your life today as you, as you want. Amen. We must be hungry uh, to be filled with the Spirit in Jesus' name. So Christ tells the disciples not to worry about what to speak. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 20 and Mark uh, 13 and verse 11, he said, don't worry about what to speak. But he promises that the Spirit of God would literally speak through them as the time and the occasion demanded. Amen. We need to learn to surrender to the Spirit and he will, he will move through us. He will minister through us. It's interesting, the dove was used in the Old Testament as an offering for those who couldn't afford a lamb. Um, and, and we see that in, in Genesis 15:9, Leviticus 12:6, Luke 2:24. Uh, um, you know, and I believe what this symbolized, because in Luke uh, 2, verse 24, it says that, that Mary and Joseph brought a dove. And, and so I believe it's symbolic of how we are all included in God's kingdom, irrespective of ability, accomplishments, wealth our status okay so the that God will give the Holy Spirit to whoever that whoever asks him uh, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 9 we see here um, after the flood <clears throat> Genesis 8 and verse 9 and it says uh, but the Noah sent out the dove um, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and she returned to the ark for the waters on the face of the whole earth. So, so he put out his hand and took her and drew into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days. And again he sent the dove out from the ark. Then the dove came back to him in the evening. And behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And no one knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Isn't that beautiful? That, uh, you know, God, uh, that, he, that he knew uh, that the water was receding when the, uh, and that's where we get the picture of the dove with the olive uh, branch in its mouth. And so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the olive, which did not return again to him anymore. And, you know, after the flood, Noah sent out the dove. It came back, like I said, with the olive branch, showing that the flood had abated. And this was symbolizing, thus the, 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 the uh, dove uh, symbolizes hope, new beginnings, and new life. So today, I want us to consider the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And firstly, the Holy Spirit empowers. The book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, could in reality be described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit uh, through the Apostles. Amen? Because the same Spirit that worked so effectively through them will work in and through us if only we will let him. He is the miracle worker. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, again talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, the miracle of the incarnation. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before she came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was absolutely integral in terms of the, the, uh, the virgin birth, uh, uh, the, 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 the incarnation. And um, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Let, let me put it another way. Uh, it, Matthew 1 tells us how the Holy Spirit empowered a virgin to conceive a child without any male intervention. That is a miracle. Amen. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Amen. 
so again, let me read this. Larry King, the uh, talk show, the late talk show host, um, uh, once said that his fantasy interview would be with Jesus Christ. I would ask him if he believed that he was born of virgin birth, because whatever the answer is, changes or reinforces the world. He said this back in uh, the early 90s in an interview uh, with People magazine. And um, truly, the, the, the virgin birth, uh, you know, ultimately defines uh, history. Uh, but it's interesting that Jesus, in spite of the miraculous means of his birth, uh, uh, did no miracles until he was empowered with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Amen? Um, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Until the day when he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandment to the apostles, whom he had chosen. So Jesus ministered by the Spirit. He ministered in the power of the Spirit. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. You see, Christ worked closely with the Holy Spirit during his earthly ministry. Christ performed his miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is why he told his disciples to tarry or wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For if he needed the Holy Spirit to minister effectively, then how much more do we? Amen. If he needed to be anointed by the Spirit, then surely this is essential in order for us to be fruitful. Luke 24, 49, I'm going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, the new living. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Yes, you know what? We need power from heaven. That's why we need to be full of the Spirit. Amen. Because we have more than a mere argument, theory, or philosophy. We have been equipped. We have been empowered. God has empowered us with His Holy Spirit. Power to minister healing and deliverance. Power to lift up Christ. Power to resist sin and Satan. Power to take a stand where necessary. Amen? Uh, let me read this quote by A.B. Simpson. The chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results even if they bring opposition and conflict. And for any of you that may be mad at me as a pastor for simply speaking up, read the book of Acts and you will recognize that the church was at times viewed as a subversive force because it did not, you know, bow down before man. It did not, you know, just, uh, there were some things that they refused to do. The Romans demanded the early church just offer some incense, just say that Caesar is Lord, but one by one they refused because they were convinced that Jesus is Lord. There are some things that we can give to God and God alone. There is a place in our heart that belongs to him and not man, and it's important to understand that distinction. Amen? But anyway, God has empowered us with his spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by your Spirit who dwells within you. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us because He indwells us. For God's Spirit enables or empowers us to do what He has called us to do. Whether that is to preach a sermon, create a home, raise a family, or run a business. You know, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we see here the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says, uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. So the Holy Spirit came as a raging fire and as a mighty wind. And, um, and so, you know, the one thing you will find when you come into a house 
And if you've been away from that house for a few days, that house can be very cold. And, and you know, it doesn't matter if you turn on the lights or anything else. The one thing that can really change that house is put on a fire. The minute you have a fire on, it, it just brings warmth, it brings comfort, uh, it makes the environment uh, so much more pleasant. And, and this is what the Holy Spirit does, is He changes the environment in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, if we will surrender to Him. Amen? So the Bible says the Spirit of God fell, fell on the disciples and it, it suddenly we see this massive change in these disciples who only days earlier had been hiding away from, from the Jews out of fear or we even see Peter who, who only days earlier had denied Jesus Christ three times and yet now this very same man stands up before multitudes of people and boldly proclaims Jesus Christ without reserve, without apology. What was the difference? He was now filled with the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Amen? So th th this is so important. Uh, and when we see that 3,000 people, uh, you know, one altar call, 3,000 people. I, I love that. Now I'm believing to see that in Jesus' name in my life. But you know what? Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, it prophesies, and it says, um, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And um, so again, here the Bible prophesies that the work of the Holy Spirit will include both men and women. And let me say this, I believe in these days that you know what, all hands are required on deck. Amen? The Spirit of God will empower not just our young men, but also our young women and some of our old ones as well. Amen? So I appreciate it may not fit within your theological framework, but if your theology says that God can't anoint or use a woman, then your theology is wrong. So last week, we mentioned the Nicene Creed, which acknowledges the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life. So remember, we baptize in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus here is talking. And, um, you know, his final words here to the, to the church, Matthew 28 and verse uh, 19 and 20. And it says, go therefore, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is absolutely central to the ministry of the church today because Jesus is laying out the pathway uh, for, our, you know, for the church uh, for the future. And he said, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And this is why it's important. And um, I would say to those who who are anointed in evangelism, one of the things I've seen within the body of Christ, one of the issues is, um, you know, people that are anointed, whether in evangelism or the prophetic or other areas, but they don't have a heart for the local church, they're not planted in the local church, and therefore they're going out every day, and they're very faithful in evangelism or prophetic or whatever else, but because they're not connected to the body, there is no fruit. Jesus never said, go out and get people to pray a prayer. He didn't say that. He didn't say go out and get people to rattle off a prayer. He said, go make disciples. The only way you can make disciples is if those fish are landed in the boat and are brought back uh, to the local church where they can be trained and discipled. Jesus said, teaching them to obey. He never said just pray a prayer. They must lead lives of obedience. Let me say if you're a believer and you're shacked up with your girlfriend or you're involved in sin or you're downloading porn, you need to repent of that because Jesus said to obey. The only part of the Bible you believe is the part you obey in Jesus name amen we must live lives of obedience Jesus said why call me Lord Lord and do not do the things which I say amen hallelujah that's good preaching pastor John okay so Matthew 28 reveals the Holy Spirit will plays a key part in the regeneration of unsaved people so if we want to be effective in winning souls therefore we must learn to work with the Holy Spirit too Acts 15 verse 28 it seemed good to us, sorry, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. 
and not to bother you with anything beyond the following requirements. So when you read the book of Acts and you witness the miraculous ministry of the early church, the early followers of Christ, which clear wasn't just, it clearly wasn't just limited to the 12 disciples because we see God you know, anointing a young deacon uh, by the name of Philip. Um, you know, we see God, um, you know, the, 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 uh, so many different, you know, uh, Stephen, the, the, uh, the young, uh, another deacon that God anointed and uh, the first martyr of the church. So we see it wasn't just limited to the 12 disciples. And obviously we see Paul and all these others who followed on. But um, we consider the tremendous effect that the early church had on their generation. You have to ask yourself the question, where did it all go wrong? And just like Gideon, we have to ask the question, where are the miracles? That is what Gideon asked. He said, if God is with us, where are the miracles? And so I really believe that in this season, we have to search our hearts. The painful truth is this. I believe at times we've been doing it in our strength and not his. And therefore, just like the disciples, we come back and we say, Lord, we've been working all night and we've caught nothing. Amen. We need to be led by the Spirit. Just like Jesus said when he said, throw out your net on the other side, amen? So we have to be obedient. Zacharias 4 verse 6, then he answered and spake unto them, saying, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, amen? You see, 2 Corinthians 6 talks about come out from among them and be separate and touch no unclean thing, says the Lord. Amen? We must live a holy life. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship is righteousness with lawlessness? What is communion is light with darkness? What accord is Christ with Belial? What part is a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement is the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Listen, you don't need beer or spirits. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Those things are just a cheap and a nasty substitute for what God will give you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to pop pills. You don't need to drink alcohol. You just need to be filled with the Spirit. And you're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to have joy in your heart. You're in Jesus' name. And it says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Then I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Let me say this. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. Why do so many believers not get that? He is a holy spirit. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care what you think you got going on. If you don't live a holy life, you do not know the Holy Spirit. Because if you will only surrender to him, he will make you holy. He will enable you and empower you to live a holy life. The dove was a symbol of both purity and peace. And let me say this, the two always go together. If you don't have purity, you won't have peace. You're going to be tormented. You're going to be agitated. You're always going to be frustrated. Trying to break through to God. Just live a holy life. and You'll be amazed at how peaceful your life will become. The dove, peace and purity, they go together. And when you consider... The lack of holiness that we see in the lives of many believers, I believe it's an indication of how little they know of his influence. Amos 4 verse 12, prepare to meet your God. It's the Holy Spirit who in conjunction with God's word prepares us for eternity. You know, the recent troubling revelations about the sexual misconduct of the late Bible apologist Rabbi Zacharias and Pastor Carl Lentz of Hillsong, New York. I can't believe you've named them. Well, I have. But you know, I believe those revelations are extremely troubling and they're an indication of this. Talent, intelligence, charisma, or coolness are no substitute for being filled with and ruled by God's Holy Spirit. I don't care how much of the Bible you know. Are you living it? Are you living it? Are you obeying it? Amen? And this is important. We must be not only filled with, we must be ruled by God's Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. I want to read it here in the New Living. 
Because you know what? The number one reason why an unsaved world rejects the gospel is because of the hypocrisy and inconsistency they perceive in our lives. And I'm certainly not speaking from a point, a position of uh, perfection or self-righteousness. I recognize I desperately need, need the grace of God. But listen, we have to start living this. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, it says in the book of Corinthians. Too many believers have their heads full of knowledge. They're more focused on getting a Bible school certificate that they can put on their wall than actually putting the word of God into practice on a daily basis. Now I'm, I'm all for Bible school. I believe in it. We have a tremendous Bible school teacher, Jill Chu, teaching next Sunday morning. But you know, notwithstanding that, we can't just rest for simply knowledge. We have to have revelation. And we have to practice the knowledge that we have. Ephesians 4 and verse 17 in the New Living. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy, Holy Spirit by the way you live. And grieve not the Spirit of God with whom you are sealed to the day of redemption. It says in the King James Version, you can grieve the Spirit of God by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Secondly, he enlightens us. Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. It says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and, and verse uh, 9 to 14. The Spirit of God, you see, will reveal things to us if only we will be led by him. And it says, but God has revealed them uh, to them. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, so there is a spirit that's in the world. And I've seen Christians get involved in the spirit that's in the world. Drinking whiskey, going to nightclubs, you know, going out and living in a moral life. That's the spirit of the world. And yes, there is a, 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 a pleasure that you will find in the world, but it's only for a season. Amen? But you know what? Eventually, that pathway leads to hell and destruction. But here it says, the Spirit of God will speak to us. He will reveal the truth of God to us if we will be led by Him. Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So again... The Spirit of God not only empowers, He enlightens. God reveals things to us by His Spirit. Amen? The Bible says, uh, He that prays in unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto God, 1 Corinthians 14, 2-4. So when you're praying in tongues, mysteries are being revealed in your spirit. Things you don't yet understand in your mind are being revealed inside in your spirit. And you begin to walk those things out that you've already prayed out. You see, you need to pray it out before you walk it out. And that's what a lot of believers don't understand. There's things I'm walking out with my wife today that we have prayed out many, many years ago. 
Amen? So praying in the Spirit is so important because as we pray in tongues, our spiritual ears are being opened to literally hear from heaven. Praying in tongues is vital because mysteries are revealed when we pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 1.17, Paul prayed, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He wasn't talking about your physical eyes. He was talking about the eyes of your spirit. Some of you, God wants to open the eyes of your spirit to some things that he has ahead of you. But because you're so in the flesh, and because you're spending four or five hours a day watching Netflix, you never get from heaven what he has for you. And then you're saying, oh God, never speaks to me. How about you give 10% of the time you give to the TV, or the laptop, or your phone, to God in prayer, and wait on him, and he will speak to you. Read his word, and he will speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you saying, Pastor John, you're getting a bit real this morning. That's okay. Hey, I'm only getting started. But it says... The eyes of your understanding. Too many times we settle for information when we need revelation. Okay? John 15, 26. But when the comforters come, whom I will send you from the Father, even the spirit of what? Truth, which proceeds from the Father. He shall testify of me. Psalm 119, verse 18, it says. Open thou mine eyes, that I may see wondrous things from thy law. Hallelujah. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. The Holy Spirit brings light, liberty, and understanding. And part of his work is to bring conviction of sin. John 16, 7 and verse 8. Jesus here is talking, and he said, But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When he has come, he'll convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Okay? So the Holy Spirit comes with conviction. This is why we must not resist him, but rather yield to his gentle influence in our lives. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of truth, and he will show us things to come. John 16, 13 says, but when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come, the new living. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Can you imagine that? That the Holy Spirit will tell you about the future. That you don't have to be anxious or fearful if you are flowing with the Spirit. If you're open to Him. Amen. You see, there are things that you will only understand with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because He's the Spirit of truth. Amen. John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17 says the word of God is truth. So don't tell me the Spirit of God is leading you when it's not in line with the teaching of the Bible. 1 John 5, 7 and 8 says, the spirit and the word agree. You see, the spirit always works with the word. That's why, you know what? The first book you need to be reading is the Bible. Because if you saw a vision or heard a voice or got a prophecy that doesn't agree with what the Bible says, that's not the spirit of God, no matter how supernatural the experience. Amen? That's why 1 John 4, 1 and 2 talks about test the spirits, whether they're of God. Amen? Because not every spirit of voice that you hear is of God. It's like the guy who once told me, uh, he said, you know what? I share the gospel every time after I sleep with a woman, I share the gospel with her. I said, wow, you are a champion of the faith. Glory to God. But you know what? This is how deluded people can become. Okay? So Romans 8, 14, as many as are... (laughs) He was from inner city Dublin. I, I, I love Dublin people, I tell you. But he was, his theology was very squirrely, so to speak. Okay, it was off. It was way off. So Romans 8.14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit, we must be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh and not by fear. Amen? And so let me say this. If you're causing strife, if you leave a trail of destruction behind you wherever you go, and everybody else seems to have a problem with you, maybe the problem is with other people. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you are in the flesh. Amen? Acts 16 and verse 6. Paul and his companions, it says, traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed to Mysia and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to 
them. Clearly, the Spirit of God will lead us if only we're willing to follow. If we will listen to him, let me say this, if we will listen to him, it will save us many unnecessary hardships, trials, and failures. The Holy Spirit empowers, the Holy Spirit enlightens, the Holy Spirit enlivens. We see Acts 2, the Spirit of God came as a wind and a flame of fire. And so you can tell when the Spirit of God is moving in a service because there is a supernatural life that is manifest. John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. We were never meant to be the frozen chosen. The Spirit of God brings life, liberty, and freedom. Galatians 5.1, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, okay? So when you become full of the Holy Spirit, those chains are going to start to break in Jesus' name because let me say this, there are many believers who are bound by lust or depression or despair or addiction or all sorts of dysfunction, okay? But the answer isn't found in trying harder. Religion says try harder, but you know what? The gospel says, surrender to the Spirit of God. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because, again, 1 Corinthians 2 talks about, you know, he, the Spirit of God brings not only um, demonstration, He brings emancipation to those who are bound. Jesus came to set the captives free, and He does it by the power of His Spirit. The kingdom of God isn't defined by religion or ritual, but by righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers, he enlightens. The Holy Spirit enlivens, he encourages. The Holy Spirit brings comforting and encouraging, amen, to us, because his presence is a comforting, encouraging presence even in the toughest of times and the darkest of places. You see, Paul learned to access the comfort and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in his thinking Roman jail. He said in Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content, amen? So again, Paul learned to be content. He learned to access the comfort of the Spirit, the encouragement of the Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galatia, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit in increased in numbers. Amen? So we can be encouraged by the Holy Spirit how our churches and ministries might grow if only we would learn to be led by Him. You don't need the latest church growth manual or book. You don't need to sit at the feet of some guru who gives you all of these secular ideas repackaged in, as Christianity. You don't need all that psychobabble. You need to get on your knees and pray. You need to wait on the Holy Spirit. You need to stand on the Word and you will see the glory of God move in your ministry in Jesus' name. Amen? Hallelujah. So this is important. Christ declared over and over again, John 14, 26, 15, 26, 16, 7, he referred to the Holy Spirit as the comforter. He will lift you if you will let him. Because when a person is always down, that's an indication they need to be full of the Spirit. You need to change your diet. If you're depressed, you need to change your diet in Jesus' name. Psalm 16, verse 11 in the NIV says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen? The new living. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The King James. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We are called to live life, lives of victory, lives that are full of the Spirit. Because again, God will encourage us by His Spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13 and 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Another verse says the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You see, He is the God of all comfort. Amen? We serve the God of all comfort. And if you will allow the Spirit of God, He will comfort you, even in this distressing season. I appreciate many people right now are discouraged. 
But you know what? First Corinthians chapter, Second uh, Corinthians chapter one and verse one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We can only encourage others when we've been encouraged ourselves. And this is why, like I said, the Spirit of God, He empowers, He enlightens, He enlivens, He encourages. Lastly, give me two minutes as the worship group come. He endorses. Do you know the word endorse means to declare one's public approval our support of someone or something. Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16 says, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands. If they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You see, the Holy Spirit will confirm or endorse the message preached by signs and wonders. And we're going to pray tonight, today for you. If you need a miracle, if you need healing or breakthrough, we're going to pray for you. You know, we've been doing a list of pastors for the Day of Prayer for America. And um, as we speak to the pastors one by one, uh, we're writing next to their name, confirmed. You know why? It's to, it's to indicate that they're behind what we're doing and they want to actively participate in it. Amen? And so too, you can participate in God's plan for your life by surrendering to the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The only message the Holy Spirit will endorse is the gospel. The Holy Spirit doesn't anoint the message of social justice, or feminism, or e this new eco-religion that's being pushed, or all of these socialism, or all these other you know, isms that people grasp and hang on to. The only message he will anoint is the message of the gospel. And this is why denominations that embrace the so-called progressive or liberal uh, uh, you know, message or agendas die. Some of them quickly, others more slowly, but you can see an indisputable decline. You know, Paul talked about in Romans chapter 15, my last verse. Uh, I know I shared a lot of verses today, but you know what? The, Holy, the Bible says a lot about the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe this is key for the season that we're in. Romans 15 and uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 15 and verse 18. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about Arilcom I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. The gospel must be fully preached in the power of the Spirit with signs and wonders following. So as I finish, I want to ask you this. Are you hungry to see this generation shaken by God? A.W. Tozer said this. It may be said without qualification that every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full as he wishes he were, but he is certainly as full as he wants to be. And that quote I find very sobering to consider that I have as much of the Holy Spirit as I want. That I have as much of him in my life as I am comfortable with. And so as we finish, I want to give you an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you have to take the first step. And that first step is to receive Jesus as your Savior. Jesus said you must be born again. Do not leave this life without surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Because if you die without Christ, there is no hope. You will see those gates of hell and you will pass through them never to return again. The Bible says man goes to his eternal home. Don't let your eternal home be a burning hell full of torment and sorrow and regret. That's why the Bible says repent and believe the gospel. We must turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ. 
The gospel declares that all of us have sinned, that we are all guilty before God and we all need a savior. But let me tell you the name. If you've never heard that name before, it is the name of Jesus. The Bible says that whoever shall call on that name shall be saved. So today, if you would like to call on the name of Jesus, you are ready to change. But you might say, Pastor, I've tried to change and I failed. You don't have the power to change, but he does. He doesn't ask you to change yourself. He just calls you to surrender to him. And he will change you by his spirit. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, pray this simple prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a perfect life, and that when you died on the cross, you died in my place. Bearing my sin and shame. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus Christ. And forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for washing me in your precious blood. I renounce Satan and all of his works. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I pray right now for every person watching in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would break every shackle. That you would break every chain in the name of Jesus. Every shackle of addiction or dysfunction or fear or obsession. In the name of Jesus, we command those chains broken right now in the name of Jesus. Every addiction to alcohol or drugs or pornography. Every, de- every spirit of depression or despair that is gris- grasped to the hearts of so many people right now. I command that heaviness to leave you in the name of Jesus. I declare freedom right now. Jesus came to set the captives free. Be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Be free from that depression. Be free from that cancer. Be free from that dysfunction in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive freedom right now. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let the Spirit of God right now be, be bring the liberty that only He can bring. Let the liberty of God be manifest in your heart, in your home, in your life. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be free. We declare it right now. Fill them, Lord, with your spirit. Just lift your hands right there in your home. Just say, Spirit of God, fill my life. Spirit of God, fill my life in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Say, Spirit of God, fill my life in Jesus' name. If you've never prayed in tongues, I just say right now, be filled with the Spirit of God. Just begin to pray in that, in that, in that heavenly language. In the name of Jesus, lift your hands as an act of surrender. Say, Lord, fill me afresh in Jesus' name. Come on, Asoka. Come on, just pray in the Spirit for a few moments. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. As you're praying in the Spirit, God's going to begin to reveal answers. He's going to open doors before you. He's going to reveal things to you. He's going to enlighten your mind. He's going to enlighten your spirit. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In the name of Jesus, let revelation come. Let revelation come by your spirit, Lord. There are those watching today and they have a heart that has been broken. They've been abused or they've been hurt or they've been disappointed. Right now, in the name of Jesus, let the healing bam of Gilead right now be applied to their heart. Bring healing to the brokenhearted. Bring deliverance to the captives. Bring freedom to those who are bound. In the mighty name of Jesus, for it is not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let the freedom of God be manifest in your home. Be free in the name of Jesus. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Glory to God. Some of you need to get out of your chair. Just say, thank you, Lord. I receive my freedom right now in Jesus' name. I receive freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom from that sickness. Freedom from that despair. Freedom from that fear. No more fear in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of fear, go in Jesus' name. Go in the name of Jesus. 
no fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, one of power, love, and a sound mind. Be free from fear in the name of Jesus Christ. We give glory, we give glory, we give glory to you, Lord. Spirit of God, do what you want to do in our lives. Do what you want to do, Lord. We repent of where we have grieved you. We repent of where we have disappointed you. We repent, Lord God. We turn from that. We lay our sin at your feet today. And we thank you for the cleansing power of the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood, Lord. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over Dublin. We plead the blood of Jesus over Waterford. We plead the blood of Jesus over Cork and Galway and Kilkenny. We plead the blood of Jesus over, over Derry and over Belfast. In the name of Jesus, let the cleansing blood of Jesus cover our nation. Cover our nation, Lord. Cover the UK. Cover Ireland, Lord. Bring deliverance to the captives. Let revival come. Let revival come. Let revival come. Let awakening come in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let, the, let the breath of God be breathing over these dry bones in the name of Jesus. We prophesy and we say dry bones live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Let life come. Let revelation come. Let salvation come to Ireland, to the UK, Lord God, to Europe, Lord, to Africa, Lord God, to South and Central and North America, Lord, to Canada, Lord God, to Australia and the islands, Lord. Let the nations bring their harvest to you, a harvest of souls. You said, ask of me, I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. We receive it, Lord. We receive it, Lord. And we pray this week as the government meet, Lord, that you will give us favor with government and that they will allow the churches to go back and that freedom of worship will return to this nation. Lord, this was once known as a land of saints and sinners. This was once a, na a land that didn't use your name as a curse word. This was a land that walked in the fear of God. This was a land that honored the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for awakening this nation to righteousness once again let this let this nation awaken let hallelujah let this nation awaken to righteousness let God arise and let his enemies be scattered in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we pray Lord touch the heart of our t-shirt our tarnished the Lord in the name of Jesus our health minister Lord touch their hearts touch their hearts remove every burden lord god open their hearts lord let the churches in ireland reopen that we may have public worship that we may gather to worship the king of glory because you are worthy you are worthy of our glory you are worthy of our praise and we are determined we have made that decision lord we have made that quality decision as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. If you believe that, give a shout of praise. Give a shout of praise. Come on. Give a shout of praise to the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Spirit breaker. 